Awesome. Hello and welcome to radio, the fourth edition of our live stream, um, which currently has nobody listening to it, but uh, that's not the point. The point is that we keep on going. Um, radio is a podcast made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Um, I'm your host, Ross Drakes, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Rich Holland. I like every time you say I'm joined today by my co-host, I know it's passive aggressive because of all the times that I miss, <laughs> but it's great to be here as always. I love chatting to you. It's one of the highlights of my week. Just getting to actually, this entire podcast is an excuse for me to catch up with Ross and talk and other interesting people. So <laughs> it's really, really great. Um, and our guest today is Miranda Nyman, who is the founder and MD of Empower. And you are speaking to us from, which city are you currently sitting in, Miranda? I'm in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. So on the awesome. East Coast. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, so, so, so our first question is the same to every human being, and that is give us your, I suppose, I'm not sure how badly COVID has affected your business. Give us your pre-COVID um, elevator pitch, and then, and then we'll unpack your post-COVID elevator pitch. Two separate podcasts, but yeah. Um, Pre-COVID pitch would be we catalyze growth quite simply. So we help people grow, organizations grow, and the economy grow. Um, we do this through talent, insight, and advisory services. And we work with youth quite a lot across Tanzania and other East African uh, countries as well. Post-COVID, still figuring it out. Um, we think that we're still catalyzing growth, but I feel like we're trying to just you know, stay above water at this point. Um, we are looking at how we can take some of our services because we were very people-oriented how we can make them more digital. So we've invested in tech, uh, online learning platforms, marketplaces, so looking at e-commerce as well, and just seeing how we can pivot a little bit and use tech with that. Because obviously growth is a very big problem for people at the moment, right? It's it's right. probably the, the problem you solve may be more necessary now than it was three months ago. So that's a, technically a good sign for an entrepreneur. Yeah, I, I, I think that is a good sign. Although, if I can speak from the Tanzanian context, <laughs> um, you know, there are some industries that are growing even during COVID um, and need our services and need people to be upskilled, need um, kind of talent mapping and planning for the future. We don't have lockdown in Tanzania, so it's almost business as usual. Um, and actually, we're officially opening up the country on Sunday. So that's a good sign. Um, we'll see where it goes. How do you mean so, opening up for all external travel or what was closed if we didn't have a lockdown? Uh, the borders were closed. So um, there was an announcement that, you know, foreign visitors are welcome. We're open for tourism. We're open for business, essentially. Uh, clubs and bars and restaurants will be opening from Sunday onwards. Um, so I think that could, you know, give the economy a little boost. Um, yeah. It's, it's been a challenging time. So, so can I ask you, you know, you, 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 you talked about talent mapping and you're obviously putting people into these organizations to help them grow. How has that changed? Like what has changed like sort of before this and after this? Like how, how has the, the talent that people are looking for changed? Like what is, what is that shift happened in, in your world? So I think a key shift that we have seen is that a lot of the content is more localized now. So where there was this trend of expatriate um, talent in town, it's now becoming more localized. So looking for Tanzanians, either in the diaspora or within the country, placing them in more senior roles. So we're seeing that positive trend. 
Um, so that's that's quite good. But on the on the flip side, decision making is really slow. Nobody's willing to take the risk and really bite the bullet and onboard somebody or um, invest in development and training and so on. Um, so it, it's tough to get buy-in. But once you mm. have a good relationship with clients um, and they trust you and they see you as an advisor and an organization that's helping them to grow and boost the bottom line, it does help. So, so I mean, we, we I can echo that. So nice work. I think we've done more proposals in this period than we have, you know, in the last six months. But we're just finding that a huge barrier is is actually just it's that people getting people to take that last step has become right. such a a challenge and such a a, a a barrier. Like, what are you doing to to build that trust? How are you getting people to make that final that final commitment? Yeah, it's a pretty similar picture here. I'm finding that just genuinely connecting with clients, calling just to see how they're doing, if there's anything you can do to support them. Um, often clients will give you business because they they want to be able to support a Tanzanian local business. Um, so they'll find something and they'll give you bits and pieces, but just building on the relationship that you already have. So when we had the first confirmed case in Tanzania, it's as if everything just went downhill it was email upon email of cancelled projects. And, you know, we do a lot of consulting as well. Everything was cancelled. Um, so we started, we kind of created almost a call center, got all the management team together. And we were on the phone and just calling people like, how are you? What's going on? Are you working agile? Um, what can we do? Can we still take the program that we were working with now and see how we can take it online and just, yeah, keep talking and communicating? Have you had to take any risks in your business? Uh, I, like, I find that this was a great opportunity because for the first time in 23 years, if I messed up my business, it wouldn't be my fault. So <laughs> I was able to actually try things that I didn't try before that maybe I was a bit afraid to. Has there been any kind of Dutch courage that has given you to go out there and you know, try new things and explore new ways of doing things, solve new problems? For sure. I mean, we don't have much choice, so we have been pushed out of the box a little bit. We wouldn't usually launch four products at the same time, but that is happening next week for us. Wow. Um, we have also taken a huge risk financially, I think, where we'd staggered out payments for um, tech development, which is being done overseas. We have now sunk quite a lot of our revenue uh, or reserves into building a platform that is far more sustainable um, and further reaching so that we can use it outside of Tanzania as well. So I think just we're risking brand confusion, people not quite understanding what it is that we do anymore. I think we're risking finan taking financial risks and just with the team as well, you know, we've had to scale down. We haven't lost any members of the team, but we have shifted some members onto part-time and timesheets and counting hours. Um, so yeah, risks all around, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. What is what is the what is the upside of that look like? So if it all if like it all pans out to you, like well, how does your business going to be different um, once it's all all played out? If it out? all turns out, I think we'll be saying thank you, COVID, and you know, just in terms of the effects, not so much, of course, the health, absolutely devastating, but with regards to this opportunity where a lot of people have gone into hiding and are not willing to take risks, we've decided to swing totally the other way. It would mean um, when we come back to some form of normal, we have new revenue streams, uh, we will have diversified, 
we will have a platform that is operational that I feel we were kind of sleeping on before. Um, and we will have done our heavy investment and it will all be about, you know, marketing and making sure that we get a good uptake from moving from you know, A to B to C. We had an event the other day with an EO member from Canada and he spoke about atomic adjacency, one step adjacency. Right. And what I liked about it is I felt like, and I've never had a term for it, but he said, instead of pivoting, how can you do something that everything that your clients already trust you for, but just do a tiny bit more, go a tiny bit adjacent. So it's not like we were a presentation company, now we're making masks. And I, I don't mean that facetiously. I'm genuinely saying it wasn't like a pivot. Right. It was... Uh, we were a presentation company running big conferences, and now we're helping people do that online. That mm -hmm. atomic level of adjacency meant that we, we we arrived in an area we had no experience in with a lot of credibility that we technically didn't deserve. And if anything, I found that it's probably made our brand message clearer at this time. How do you two feel about that in terms of uh, using this as a chance to refine and clarify your message? Because Miranda, you say you've got these four new products and it could be brand confusion, but maybe this is helping you narrow it down. I don't know. I, 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 for us, it's really helped us narrow down. We're actually taking away things and creating right. new things that are focused. Okay. I hear you. I mean, that's, that's an interesting perspective and different way of looking at things. Yes, we risk brand confusion, but as I said before, if things go well, we have been forced to move faster, more strategically totally. and with intent. So if things go well, which I do believe they will, we're entrepreneurs, we take calculated risks, um, I think we'll be in a good space. Um, there are you certain- have a more agile business. Yeah. Yeah, we never thought we could operate in this way. And it's amazing what you can accomplish when forced and backed into a corner. So just, yeah. Um, even our team building, we do we do a lot of team building and retreats for a lot of the big um, corporates. How can we now take that to an online model and still uh, deliver the same quality of service that we had built a reputation for? Still engage people, still have a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, we're we're finding our way. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally think this is true. Like, uh, I, I would say the biggest takeout this of this for me is is old old patterns of thinking have been challenged and because you've challenged them, the, the new opportunities have sort of arisen. Like we've, we've conceived of a product which we haven't built yet, which we already have a client who wants to buy two or 300 of them. Like we, it doesn't even exist yet, but it's, it's all of our, like you say, all of our history has built up to this moment and now we yeah. have to do something different. Because it's a halo. Mm -hmm. Yes. People trust you for X. They may not right. trust you for ABC, but if they trust you for X, they'll trust W, Z, Y, you know, you're mm -hmm. in that space. And I think that's kind of where, where it's been for us. Absolutely. Um, I think as long as, as you say, as long as you've got a positive reputation for delivering quality, um, people will try you out in these new times if you've got a new product. Mm -hmm. So we, we do have confidence in that as well. Um, but yeah, I. We'll see how, how it goes. I would love to update you later on a couple of months time, but it's also the mindset as well. I was talking to the team earlier today. We had a end of week huddle. You know, there are some people who've really embraced this change and they're hustlers, natural born hustlers, looking for new business, generating revenue. And there are others that are quite happy to just, you know, wait for things to go back to normal. And it's hammering home that message that things will never go back to normal. This is the new normal. and things will never be the same as they were. Um, so if you have that mindset of March, 2020, you'll end up redundant in some way.
Totally. So, I've been so, using the term forward to normal. Forward to normal. Yeah, like we can't that. go back to normal. We want to go forward to normal. The normal that we're heading towards is going to be, you know, yes, we want a normalization, but I certainly don't want to go back to, right. uh, for me, back is dead. Like that was the way we used to, to live and work. I want to mm -hmm. go forward to you know, I do want it to normalize, but I uh, but I want it to be a destination, not right. a, ret a retreat. Right. And thinking about all these tools that we use with EO, like Zoom, I was introduced to Zoom through EO, and now it's an absolute staple. And we've, you know, taken on the largest package so that we can use it for everything we're doing. How are we forced to kind of explore and save time as well, have less meetings and, yeah. It's it's got a lot of positive upsides. You know, well. it's a very real advantage. It's maybe an unspoken about advantage that EO leaders had, is mm -hmm. that you know people in EO leadership have been using a tool like Zoom for so long yeah. that we've almost taken it for for granted. Uh, totally. Whereas uh, actually, um, you know, for a lot of people, they were just kind of coming to this for the first time during this crisis. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I, sorry, go on, Ross. Oh, no, I was just, I think this is a good segue into, you know, a lot of the questions you've been asking people are, what are the habits that you had that you want to leave behind? And what are the new habits that you formed that, that you think will, will carry, you, carry you in good stead in the future? Good question. Um, I think one of the things that I will carry forward is just being far more intentional with my time. Um, I used to run all over the city going for client meetings that really weren't necessary sometimes i mean i'm not i'm not devaluing the the concept of sitting face to face with the client it's needed and you do need to build that relationship but we're getting along without it now how can we save time by perhaps taking things to online uh you know platforms um so that's one thing better use of time and second it is the recognition that the team is able to organize themselves and manage themselves and self-lead far better than I probably gave them credit for beforehand, um, that we as a group of individuals have adjusted to this, this new way of working and being able to manage your tasks on a more micro level. Um, yeah, so those are two things that I think I would change. Um, that as well, some of the products that we've come up with now that they would stick even though some of the older products would come back when we would be allowed to do so. So now having more variety, I think is another plus and something that I would stick to as well. What are those products? So for example, we used to do um, huge multiple day staff retreats. So take away you know, a UN agency's team of 200 people and train them, entertain them, uh, run team building workshops and strategy and everything uh, in between with the uh, excursions. So now uh, we're obviously limited that the organizations are not able to take those kinds of trips. So we've taken some portions of that online. So we're able to deliver the learning components, the team building and the strategy, but it's just, it's not face-to-face. -face. So now we will be able to offer a company, do you want this virtually or do you want it face-to-face? -face? So I think having those options as well that we didn't think about before could be a plus particularly with virtual teams where we're working with perhaps heads of organizations across the continent that want to save money on travel. And what are, the, what are some of the things, you know, by, by taking something like a strategy session, which generally works well in a room where you can kind of read body language and the facilitator has more control and people can have those sideline conversations, 
what are some of the things you've you've seen in in those those taking it digitally that's that's better or worse and how did you overcome them it's 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 far more difficult to manage energy and read the room as you said um it's just about i think having very strong or strict ground rules so when you are having a session for people to know that they need to be on camera need to be focused and regular breaks um using tools that you have to the full extent so being able to poll and break out rooms and ask questions and making sure it's engaging and participatory um, sessions can't be as long. So where you may have had a full day workshop, you want to split that into four bits perhaps. So it gives people that time to digest. So adapting things that way and just being really mindful that it's difficult to sit in front of a screen for more than an hour, to be honest. Um, yeah, I found that it's easier if it's uh, interactive, but a lot harder if you're just audience, you know, to right. stay focused. Uh, but I, I was watching a video, I think it's for the platform on 24 the other day, and the guy was challenging and he was saying, uh, actually, the digital body language that is given up in terms of the data that you get from online events is actually quite superior. Now, not for maybe the interactions that you were discussing, but he was saying, now, you know, when did they attend? Did they attend live? How engaged were they? How often did they comment? Did they engage with the polls? You know, you can have maybe uh, anonymous or non-anonymous polling, so you can actually sentiment analysis. So now, instead of you just knowing uh, Ross was there, you now know mm -hmm. Ross was there, he interacted like this, this is how right. engaged he was, this is how much they chatted. So you can actually read some of these digital body language in a better way than you perhaps could have in other ways for regular shows. I know it's not an exact science, but I do think it's something that's quite interesting as a, a potential like positive side to, to all of this. Mm. I agree. Um, the downside is though that people can log in. So particularly with the webinars, you can log in, just mute, turn off your camera and um, you could be logged as being there, but you're not engaged. But I get you with the polls sure. and so on. Totally. Yeah. No, no, that's what you would get from that. You would learn that this person didn't engage, didn't chat, didn't turn on their mic, didn't do these things. Right. Uh, it's an yeah. interesting tool called, um, uh, do you ever use Jitsi? It's no, an alternative to Zoom. Okay, so it does many of the same, same things Zoom does, but what it does by default is it tells you, it, it gives you a breakdown of what percentage everybody has spoken in an right. interaction. Okay. So you can okay. look at your attendees and say, you know, Miranda, you've already spoken one minute the whole time we've been here, and you can actually see it in real time, and everybody in the room can see a real-time percentage of chat. Okay, that's interesting. I feel like I feel like this is an opportunity to call out like all of those people that come onto a meeting and like six people are in the meeting and two of them have their cameras off. I feel like that's the same thing as like rocking up at a meeting without pants on or something. It's like it's like you've <laughs> you've 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 not fully participated in the meeting or or you at the meeting but you're talking on your phones to somebody else. Right. It feels exactly. it feels terrible. Yeah, we've like, uh, I mean, to me, it's a ground rule, right? Obviously, cameras must be on <laughs> at all time. We can't say it to our customers so easily, but if we were doing a session, I mean, we don't do the same thing Randa does, but if we did do something like that, I, I guess you can probably insist on your participants. Right. Yeah. I watched the facilitator do that very well last week. It was, um, there was a, um, sorry, excuse me. <clears throat> there was a session called How to Communicate with Crappy People by EO Saudi <laughs> Arabia. Very useful. Um, but the facilitator logged in, it was during iftar, so people were breaking their fast and they were not going to put on the cameras. And he was like, I'm not going to run this session 
unless everyone turns on their cameras, I need everyone's engagement. And for a little while, it was just silence, everyone's camera was on, and then one by one, they started flickering. But he managed to capture, you know, 50 Saudis and a couple of us outliers as well um, on, this, on this webinar, getting them to poll, into breakout rooms, presenting all in an hour. I was thoroughly impressed. That's amazing. Who was this? Is That's an the EO thing. member? He's not an EO member. I don't remember his name. That's the only thing. I was so uh, miffed by the way he managed to, you know, engage the whole team. Um, I'll get his name for you. His name, though. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> remember the topic. Yeah, it's a great yeah. subject line. <laughs> right? Very catchy. Very catchy. So so um, I just want to circle back. One of the things she said was was how your team is able to self-lead better. Have you have you seen kind of any patterns or anything like interesting in in who was able to self-lead and, and what do you think you were doing that was stopping them from doing it um, beforehand? Hmm. I think um there are some people who naturally thrive under pressure and knowing that they need to innovate and find ways of making themselves relevant. They actually get a bit of a rush from it. So there are some individuals in the team that have stepped up in that way just because it's part of their personality. There are others who've taken things in their stride. They're not naturally wired that way, but they have um, ad adjusted and absorbed the fact that if we don't uh, shift the way we do business, we could cease to exist. And so they've started to be more disciplined and morning check-ins and huddles, end of day huddles, uh, using Microsoft Teams and just making sure everything is really well documented and files are in the right place. I mean, we weren't that organized before, I can openly admit. Um, and being able to have their own side meetings without being asked. So comms team, have your own meeting, come back, feed in what is gonna happen with this campaign. So I think, you know, the majority of the team have taken it very positively. Of course, there are always some that have that kind of freeze response, which is, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to be supportive. And naturally, you find that they're not contributing on projects as much. These are the ones that I said, as kind of sitting at home, waiting for things to go back to normal. So mm. there are always a few and they're great people and were, you know, performing very well pre-COVID. But it's... um. Yeah, it's interesting to see the evolution and the growth mm. in certain individuals in the team. And I hope that we can continue to foster that. Do you wonder at all if there's, um, and I, I was just curious when, when you were describing this, although I've seen a lot of the same, but I wonder, is there anything to, is there an upside to a complete lockdown in that in South Africa, we were kind of forced, people didn't have the option of, you know, it was, it was so locked down that you had to figure your way around here. Whereas if it was a kind of half in, then you may be not com as committed to right. embracing this as a, like, I wonder if there was somewhat of a, a faster acceleration for people in South Africa to learn this way of working simply because there was no other option. And for us, we're not even sure when it can kind of go back to, mm. uh, at least, you know, going back to offices in that way. Mm -hmm. So I, I wonder if there's anything to that. I'm not sure if there is, but um, if there's something to that, this has actually empowered us to learn more because it was simply, we had no other option. For sure. I, th I think there are pros and cons of both sides. You've been forced to figure things out. We had the option to continue as normal, even though the, the economy was taking a nosedive and there was no business. 
And so that reaction did come up from staff when we said there just isn't enough work for us all to be taking the risk of being in the office. We need mm. to think of the health um, risk as well as the, the financial risk. And then we're going, but we don't need to stay at home. There isn't a lockdown. Um, so we had to make some tough decisions, but we had to feel our way. There's been, you know, no government support um, or any kind of stimulus programs for for entrepreneurs or for businesses or for the private sector at all. Um, no support for for staff as well. So everybody has had to just figure things out. It's been great, you know, being part of EO. I wonder what it's like being outside of a chapter and not having a group of people to talk to about you know, what they're doing with staff and hand around business continuity plans and just share experience. Um, but Are you on a regular forum structure or have you have you increased the amount of forums you have? We, we're on a regular, still monthly, but I know some people have gone to a weekly shorter forum structure. We are on a monthly. We're on a monthly at the moment, but with the board, I mean, we're doing every two weeks, I would say. And then we're doing a monthly town hall where all the members are coming on to the call. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a cool so, idea. It's pretty cool, actually. I did mention to Jed on the president's call, so you might see it coming soon. I mean, I love I love some of this. Like the thing that's excited me the most about this is these ideas that kind of just exploded out of necessity and and kind of observing them. Um uh, I'm very interested to ask both of you, like, you know, we're sort of facing this point now that that the the initial shock is, has happened and, and passed. We're now starting to get back into it. Like, what is, what do you see the next, like, are you going back to the office full time? Like, how, how are you going to, like, we all got into lockdown quite definitively and we made these hard decisions. Now it's like, how do we start easing back out of it? Have you guys um, done any thinking around around the, the how to go back, how to, how to normalize, uh, for want of a better word? So we're kind of going with demand, to be honest. So the more as the work increases, we're pulling more people back in. Um, we have a learning space as well that's attached to our office. It's called Inspire Center. So it's got rooms that people rent for training and workshops and a cafe and a public space. And people are kind of banging down the door wanting us to open it because there's no good coffee in the area. So it's it, it's based on demand. We, we feel it's a bit too soon to open up the cafe and public space. Cute cat. However, um, yeah, we are as as we get more projects in. He's climbing the ladder. That's insane. Yeah. As we get more projects in, you know, we're ramping up the team. So we do have that benefit of kind of being as flexible as we want to be and and building up as we need to. And are you going to go back to normal? Everyone back in the office full time? Like, is, have you thought about that sort of thing? Eventually, I think we, we have a very strong kind of, I want to say family, community vibe at the office. A lot of the, the team members are dealing with kind of loneliness and isolation and, um, you know, young professionals. I'm the, the oldest young pe person on the team, I should say. And um, a lot of them are living alone and don't have children and enjoy being in the space. It's a very comfortable and fun space. We spend a lot of or we invest a lot of time and energy and money into the people and making sure that we eat lunch together and we do yoga together and we, you know, we socialize together. So I think there is a motivation to come back together and be a team and deliver as we used to. I don't think my team would agree to going to, you know, being agile 90% of the time and meeting for a, you know, a weekly town hall or something. I don't think they would want that. 
and I can understand. And you, Rich? Uh, no, so we changed it. Uh, we're, we're simply not going back. And I mean, our office was built on, you know, our whole vibe of our office. But we've seen it now as a, as a dramatically limiting factor because we've now started dealing with companies all over the world, right? So we're having meetings with companies all over. And I simply do not ever want to anybody in my staff or any customer to feel like because they're geolocated closer to an office in Johannesburg, that uh, they're getting a better level of service. So we want to be a company that is remote first. I have got here, and I'll, I'll actually just show you just so you can see um, out of interest, kind of what we've said that we're going to be the uh, kind of, let's just say select window screen. Let me just see where this would be. Uh, here we go. So let me just show you this for a second. This is riveting listening, Rich. I know, sorry, it's terrible. You're right. Uh, basically, we've come up with four rules. So no coming or going. What we're thinking, because we can't get out of our rent, right? So that's the problem. We, we, mm. we, we're stuck in our thing until next May. However, we're oh, not wow. opening the office for work. So nobody okay. can come for work. If you, if you would have your earphones on, then you must do it for home. We've said that we're turning the office into a clubhouse. No coming or going during rush hour. So you're not allowed to arrive at the office if you sit in traffic or leave if you're sitting in traffic. No production can be done there. So there's no time that we can come in and just sit and do your work. You must do that from somewhere else. No tables for one. So there's, you only come to the office to interact. You don't come to the office to sit by yourself and do things. It's yeah. for interaction time. And the final rule is a three hours per day limit. So people are allowed to be at the office for three hours per day maximum. The idea is you come in, you schedule your brainstorms, you do your cool things you would like to do together. And even that, I'm still not sure if we'll allow. We may just actually build up a couple of studios. So if we're doing some events, we want some nice studio space, we'll use them there. But um, I simply don't ever want to go back to that. We're changing a whole model. We've picked a city and we're going to base our salaries on that city. It's somewhere in the US. And we're going to try and build the businesses that we sat there. Love it. That's really cool. Um, well, see. <laughs> I'm curious to know how the team have reacted to that. Are they, they're all for it. I mean, Clubhouse sounds cool. Yeah, but even as I said, like if it was up to me, the second that, that our lease is finished, the Clubhouse is gone. Uh, so right. we will say that we'll be happy to meet a couple of times a week and we'll spend some money and we can go and meet for lunches and things like that. But um, the, we'll have a team. And again, so you said you have a family thing. I'm like, I, I, my team is my team and my family is my family. That's for us as a differentiation. This is the way we want to take the business. And to some degree, we have to make some decisions. Some people will have joined Missing Link because of the fireman's pole and the slide. And that is simply not the business we want to be anymore. And we want to get the guys excited about the kind of business we can build. Some people will not be as excited by that. But we can't hold back the progress of an organization because some staff members liked it the way it was. So with, and, and I know this is going to sound like a very crass uh, thing to say, but that simply wasn't a consideration for us. We have right. to build, I have to build an organization that is forward facing and that can offer the best experience going forward for the people who work at it. And I can't allow that a comfort level of some people uh, to hold us back from there. So it wasn't, other than my key leadership team, it wasn't, it wasn't a democratic decision. <laughs> right. No, I hear you. Absolutely. I get that. I think um, maybe I've misrepresented the team a little bit, but yes, on our side, <laughs> they, they perform better when they're together. Um, that, that's the trend that I'm seeing. But I get what you're saying, Rich. It totally makes sense. Um, maybe it would be something that we consider in the future. 
I like the idea of being yeah. able to operate, you know, with clients across the world. That's great. I guess I guess the thing that's exciting is that that this is it's challenged a lot of those those universal truths that were just held as the given. And it doesn't mean that all of those things are wrong. It just means no, that, that there's a potential alternative path that somebody could take. And it could be a hybrid. It could be all back in the office. It could be, you know, riches on the other extreme that no one, you know, no one's sitting together and everyone's spread across the world. And I think it's, it's, it's very interesting to see how organizations are going to get back to that. Uh, I'm, I'm super interested to watch our large corporate clients and see how they navigate this because they, their DNA is very much set around these big command and control. Yeah. Right. So, so how does that play out in, in, a, in a space like this when people realize, and, and Rich, I think you touched on something that, that some people are going to love being distributed. Other people are going to hate it. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's going to be a very clear differentiator when you go looking for a job. You're going to be like, are you a distributed company? Or are you not a distributed company? Because, right. Yeah. You know, that's your your preference. Well, and on that's part- why. Yeah. Sorry, Miranda. I was going to say on a personal note, I have enjoyed being home more. This is the most time that I've spent at home, the most engaged I've been in homeschooling with my son. Um, so I think personally, I will be taking probably two days out of the office and three in. That's my preference. I wouldn't want to be fully, fully agile. Um, but yes, I, I plan on spending a bit more time at home. What I like is the interesting challenge of uh, culture and customer experience have been two of our biggest things that our company is known for. And we still want that to be absolutely true. But then by the, the easy way of solving for that was to have the kind of gimmicky office that our customers have a great time when they come, but it was a bit of a cheap trick. Whereas now we actually have to be a little bit more intellectually thoughtful around how do we create that. So now I have to say, well, if we have people who are remote and things like this, or in fact, they're not remote, right? Because it's the opposite of remote. Remote is getting up and driving somewhere. Like right. now, now we're distributed and things are great. But um, so we have to think of ways. So how can we engage our team? How can we do things? Assuming that we'll have... See, I mean, one of the problems, next week we're running an event and we have the first showing in Asia. At It's going to be two in the morning. We have one person in Singapore. Then we've got later on in the day here. Then we've got North America. Like we're not geared for that as, as our business is now. So we've got to change our makeup. And what I don't want to have is the one person in Singapore currently, who's a full-time staff member, feeling like they have a different uh, experience at the office just because they can't be at at the office but right. experience at work so they shouldn't be second class citizens and here's the thing so i've been remote for years i live in cape town i've been remote for years and i've hated it because i didn't feel like part of the it's kind of like i'm a bit of a shit when it was just me outside the party it was really horrible but when everybody was outside the party it was amazing so now yeah. i just want everyone to stay i'm all i'm, I'm much less lonely now so i'm not letting them back in the door Interesting, interesting. So, Rich, there's a company in Tanzania called Empower that can help you um, <laughs> yeah, your, maintain totally. your culture. Yes, happy uh, beach. Yeah, figure this out. <laughs> um, if you ask for it, I'll share. Yeah. So, so I think uh, Miranda, thank you very much for your time. I think to close out, like, what is what for you has been the most surprising thing about this entire experience? The most surprising thing I think personally has been that you can control fear and fear is poison, I think. Um, I've never really had to live 
um, in a situation where I've been faced with fear or around an environment where the energy is quite negative, which has, you know, has been caused because of COVID. And whether that's sitting with my dad who's watching CNN on, on repeat and watching all those figures and the death toll and what effect that has on the psyche, your mental health, and therefore how you're able to produce and just be in the world. So the power of fear and not allowing it to get the better of you. I think that's such a cool note to end the podcast on. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, yeah, that guys. was great. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. That was awesome. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. It's been great. Um, hope you Thanks. guys will great come visit Tanzania once the uh, borders reopen. Yeah, in Costa's honored, Lamini Zuma is going to let us out in August 2027. But you'll uh, be able to start. Yeah, the first <laughs> wow. time we're working just as a protest. <laughs> if I don't see you in person, I'll see you on the MEPA quiz. That's awesome. a lot of fun. Awesome, I believe so. Thanks cool. so much. So, Thanks, guys. Yeah. So, All the best. so you, awesome. Huh? Yeah, we're going to do our outro, Richie. Just trying to hang up on us. <laughs> <laughs> This has been a presentation of the Entrepreneurs Organization. Yes, now thank the sponsors. No, <laughs> you do the heavy lifting, Ross. <laughs> I can remember everything. Ross has a piece of paper. Um, so, so you've been listening to radio, uh, and if you enjoyed this conversation and, and the gems that Miranda shared with us, we, we asked that you share it to somebody else, because I think one of the best things about EO is, is the amount that you learn just by hearing from other people's experience. And if you can pass that on, it's, it's a great gift. Um, and if you are an entrepreneur and you're looking for a bit of support, go to eonetwork.org. Um, there's, there's so much in this place for you. Um, so, so thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode. Peace out. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.